So this uh, presentation is more or less a follow-up of uh, uh, three articles that I wrote 10 years ago with my colleague Aisa Tumbochpoul. Um, there is two articles that are planned. One who will deal with the context of the 17th century and trying as an historian to understand if this text could have been written or could describe the reality of the 17th century. This is more or less finished, but this is not what I'm going to deal with today um, because I was thinking that the conference was more uh, attached to the philosophical uh, discourse. So more or less, I will deal with the fourth article of this series, which is the most, uh, the most difficult for me. I would like to examine the roles that this text, the two atatas, have played in the definition of a philosophical discipline as an academic milieu and an intellectual trend, uh, or different intellectual trends in Africa and in the diaspora and the black communities worldwide. This is what I would like to examine, but this is not exactly what I'm going to examine because it's a bit beyond my scope. But um, I will, uh, you will see, I will do something very historiographical to get to this point. So from the early enthusiasm, largely supported by Claude Sumner, who co-founded the philosophy department at Addis Ababa University to the current debates, how had those texts been received by African and Western scholars is one of my questions. What does this tell us about the possible tensions between the need to legitimize an African thought and the Western quasi hegemony on philosophical legitimacy until the second half of the 20th century. Are the dimensions of the Atatas in Ethiopia and to whom in Ethiopia and elsewhere in Africa the same? Isn't this call for writing to legitimize African cultures a response to a Western model from which it would then be necessary to break away in order to really move towards a decolonization of minds or at the very least, which should be recognized as such in order to better understand the effect of intellectual globalization and the possible mechanism of domination. This said, let's go back to the basic, um, to the manuscript, and then we will see uh, slide by slide or time by time, all the discourses that has been uh, built and added on those manuscripts. So the there is only two manuscripts known uh, from the Atata. One is only Atata Zara Jacob. It's a manuscript uh, BNF, Bibliothèque Nationale de France, Ethiopian Abadi 234. It's written on paper by Justo Diobino himself. He is not trying to hide it. it. He says that he copied it. And it was sent uh, very quickly to Antoine Dabadi in uh, 1853 because he was so excited to share his discovery with Antoine Dabadi because Antoine Dabadi asked him to provide new um, element to his collection of Ethiopian manuscript. And you can see, so the manuscript is uh, digitized and uh, available freely online on the Gallica website of the French National Library. So you can have a look at it. It's a very small manuscript with a lot of annotation, uh, marginal annotation from the end of um, Giusto Durbino, especially the psalm, the, the reference to the psalm, um, because um, Giusto Durbino was also writing uh, Kene in Gehes and very interested in the psalm, and he has his own collection of 
Ethiopian manuscript uh, of uh, Psalter. The second manuscript is um, uh, BNF Ethiopian Abadi uh, 218. And it's an Ethiopian manuscript in the sense that it's on parchment and it's written by an Ethiopian scribe. And it's uh, quite easy to um, uh, identify this person. It's Daptara Gavra Mariam from Betalehem Church. Uh, so he was part of the friends and colleagues of uh, Justo Dobino in Betalehem. And um, it's not signed, of course, there is no colophon saying that Daptara Gavra Mariam is the copist, but he has produced many uh, manuscripts for Justo Dobino and he has signed uh, some of them. And you can easily compare this manuscript with other manuscript made by uh, this uh, Gavra Mariam. And it's exactly the same, same format, same handwriting, same cover, same uh, stamps used on the uh, leather of the cover. So it's produced exactly uh, in the same way. And actually, when you are trying to figure out when Justo Dobino is, is inventing or is lying uh, to Antoine Dabadi, this is the only thing that is absolutely sure that uh, he's lying about because he said that he bought this manuscript to, I don't remember, but he, he gives something. He's hiding the fact that this manuscript has been made by his friend, uh, Gebra Marion. And that's the only weak point of uh, his uh, story of the discovery of the manuscript. And this manuscript contained um, the Hatata Zara Yaakov and the Hatata Gebra Haywood. So it's the only copy of uh, Gebra Haywood's treatise. The strange thing is that the only manuscripts that are known in Ethiopia or out of Ethiopia today, but Justo Dorbino is mentioning at least two other manuscripts, one that he has seen on uh, Tana Lake, uh, but he was not able to buy and uh, that was called, uh, presented to him as a Dawit, uh, a Psalter, and another one, the one on which he has done the copy of the, the, the first manuscript. So there is at least three or four manuscripts um, referred to or um, uh, described by Giusto Dobino when there is no other copies than those two ones that are evidently produced by Giusto Dobino and his close friend in Betalian. So that's everything, that's, that's really uh, what we are talking about. Okay, then what happened? Two critical editions uh, made at the same time in uh, the beginning of the 20th century, one by Eno Littmann, uh, translated in Latin, and one by Boris, Boris uh, Turayev, translated in Russian. The critical edition of uh, Turayev is very good because he's really paying attention of all the variances between the two manuscripts, but unluckily it's very uh, difficult to access and nobody refers to it. While the critical edition of Littmann is uh, referring uh, to the, the parchment manuscript, so the, the one with the two treaties, and uh, paying little attention to the variances uh, with the other manuscript, the first one. And everybody refer to the guest text uh, edited by Littmann, and uh, very few people go back to the manuscript. So it's a pity because there is no other critical edition so far, and the critical edition everybody is relying on is not so good. 
Okay, and then uh, we have 1916, the doubt uh, by uh, the fellow um, uh, Catholic monk uh, of Giusodo Urbino, Taclaimanat, who is a convert and who is deeply shocked by uh, what Giusodo Urbino was doing with his friend uh, in Betalem, uh, accusing him of writing Francmaçon, like a Mason, Freemason text. And uh, yeah, writing something that was against uh, the faith. And then this uh, article of Quanti Rossini in uh, 1920, with uh, three or four arguments showing the parallelism between the life of Giusto Durbino and the life of Zaraiko. And then many reactions uh, in the academic uh, community accepting the arguments of uh, Carlo Quanti Rossini. And uh, yeah, just despising the text and forgetting about it. And it's mainly in Italian, French, German. There was really a lot of reaction. Littmann took some time to accept that he has spent so many time in, on something that was a fake, but even Littmann accepted the end. And the last one was Ricci uh, in the 60s, who, uh, who incorporate the Atata in uh, his encyclopedia or in his um, description of la lettura la let, la, of the Ethiopian literature, saying that it was a minor case on the margin of the most marginalized of ages of Orientalism. So a nice and poetic way uh, to say that, okay, it's, it was not so interesting to discuss about this text. But incredibly, Normally, when a fake has been demystified, it's it's finished. His career as a text is finished, which was actually not the fact, not the case of the Atatazaria Uh It happens that at the same time, or one year later, there was a PhD in uh, Napoli by uh, Luciano Marciotti on the Atatazaria Cub with an Italian translation. But I don't know what is the content of uh, this uh, PhD and who was uh, the director of this uh, PhD, and it does not appear in the library catalog of the University, uh, of, the University of Napoli for the moment, but it would be interesting to, to see what was this PhD about really at the time when the Atata has almost finished his career as uh, Ethiopian text for the, Ethiopian, uh, uh, the Ethiopianist community. In fact, at the same time, or even a bit uh, before, the Atatas Arayakob were, 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 uh, the Atatas were beginning a new career um, in Ethiopia. There is another PhD in Toronto, actually, in uh, 1943 uh, by uh, Williams. Uh, and again, it would be interesting to see who uh, was, yeah, what, what was this PhD again, uh, what was this PhD about, and what was the point of view and, and who was the director. But let's, let's say that most probably was a very important, an article of Abebe Retta in New Times and Ethiopian News, so an Ethiopian newspaper this time, just at the end of the Second World War. Abebe Retta is a very important um, uh, person in the government of the new government of Ivy Selassie. He has even, uh, he was even his son-in-law at uh, uh, a moment. He has been ambassador and a minister in different ministry. 
I, I, have, I have not read uh, this article, but it would be interesting to see if it was, it's not one article, it's a series of articles uh, in February and March. Uh, most probably it was the beginning of the rehabilitation of this text. Rehabilitation, if ever, he was um, um, aware of the debate and of the fact that for the Western uh, academics, the Hatata were considered as a fake. So this is some bibliographical uh, data that I've been aware of very recently. And so uh, I could not check directly, but it would have to be taken uh, account to really understand all the biography of this text. Then there is this most famous uh, th uh, three column articles of Murad Kamil, who was an Egyptian, a uh, specialist of Goethe, who has already translated many uh, Goethe texts at this time, who totally ignored the debate and considered the Atatas are uh, important philosophical texts, giving some ext uh, extract of the text, and Sylvia Pankhurst, uh, that has been mentioned previously, that dedicate uh, some pages in uh, Ethiopia, a cultural history, with also a very, a very strong uh, ideological uh, agenda, which was to, to show that Ethiopia was an autonomous uh, country, that she was really fighting together with Ailis Selassie to build a new strong state when uh, it was not so evident uh, to defend uh, the, uh, the, the autonomy and the agency of uh, an African country uh, after the Second World War and af after the, uh, the relationship with uh, Great Britain. So there is a um, quite important moment of uh, inserting again this text in the Ethiopian past as an Ethiopian text. Also, this is the moment when uh, in the north of Ethiopia, uh, a Protestant uh, scholar with uh, a traditional background, Zaman Faskedus, uh, so he was from Adwa, um, uh, edit the guest text, but according to Littmann, not according to the manuscript, he's still following the, the Littmann. Uh, in fact, he's just reproducing the Littmann uh, edition, but um, making it accessible to the Ethiopian uh, uh, market. And then he's producing uh, uh, Amharic translation. So actually, this is really the moment when uh, the Atata, uh, Zara Yaakov and Atata Waldaiwut uh, become fully accessible for the Ethiopian audience. Uh, so there was uh, Ritchie, 10 years later, as um, emit the hypothesis that as he was a Protestant, uh, it was important for him, for uh, Zaman Faskelu Sabraha, to, to uh, publish this text because uh, it was really uh, displaying all the weakness of the Ethiopian uh, Orthodox Church, such as uh, fasting and uh, all things that were uh, evident for a Protestant at the moment. So there was also, according to uh, Ricci, an agenda uh, behind, uh, behind this uh, publication. Whatever, the text is now available in Ethiopia and on uh, the Ethiopian market.
So then during the 60s, we have Ethiopian intellectuals from the university uh, that also consider this text. So the first one is Amsalua Klilu, uh, and, and they are fully aware of the debate uh, about the authenticity and they answer uh, to this debate. Amsalua Klilu is uh, writing a short article, three pages on linguistic aspect showing uh, the difference between the two texts. And then because it's two different authors, it's proved that it cannot be one single author who would be Giusto Durbino. And then there is uh, the unpublished PhD thesis of Alemayu uh, Moges, who also really uh, introduced this text as being fully part of the Ethiopian uh, literature. And then uh, Baru Zaude, who is from the next generation, is uh, younger than uh, Amsalwan Alemayu, published also an article in the Ethiopian Herald uh, that I have not read. So I, I would be very interested if some, someone have uh, this reference to see what is this content. Because I, was, I always supposed that this article was also uh, defending the authenticity, but from uh, what you said before, I quite understand that Bauru Zaude maybe had also emitted some doubt about it. So I, I would be interested to discuss this with you later. Then came Claude Samner. So he was a Jesuit, Canadian Jesuit, with a lot of different diploma. And he was sent, he asked to be sent as a missionary. And he was sent in Ethiopia in 1953, not to build the, the philosophy department uh, on the order of Haile Selassie at the beginning, but to teach English in the secondary school. That's the beginning of his career. How it happened that he has this position in the university really uh, would be something interesting to, to research because it's, it's also very much an institutional history. But more than 20 years later, so he was in Ethiopia since 20 years, he has published the first English, trans uh, the first English translation of the Atata. So I don't know if it's really the first English translation or if uh, this PhD in Canada in uh, 1943 was already uh, accompany uh, with a translation. It would be interesting to know about it. But he's the first one to publish an English translation, that's for sure. And then there will be another one in French in 1983. So you, there is already a Latin, a Russian, a, um, Italian, an Amharic, an English, and a French translation. And there is not so much Ethiopian, Ethiopic texts that have six uh, translation within the range of uh, eight uh, de uh, decades, so it's, it's a pity for the other text, but anyway. And then, um, yes, deeply, of course, research on the content of this, uh, of this document. And he built the concept of religious rationality because he was fully aware that the rationality expressed in the Atata Zarayakob was not totally comparable with like the rationality of Descartes, for instance, because Descartes, is mainly referring on uh, um, an instance that is outside of religion and outside of uh, the existence of God that is not denying neither, which is mathematic and, and science, which does not exist in the Atatala Rayakob. And that's why Claude Semner tried to, um, to rehabilitate or to, to express the fact that it's a rationality he um, coined it religious rationality. 
and then he's building a corpus to complement the atata um, and to to engulf in a way the atata in something that will accompany uh, uh, this text uh, in something that could be the Ethiopian philosophy. So there is the Pisiologus, the Matsafa Falsafat Biban, and uh, the Zemask Andes. We have discussed this uh, very much until now, so I will not come back to this. Just maybe to comment <laughs> what we have heard uh, before. It's also very important. Okay, so Sumner has created the corpus and he say, you see that Atatas are not alone. They belong to something much more, uh, much bigger. And uh, there is other uh, way of expressing philosophy in Ethiopia. Yeah, why not? Uh, okay, but the, he's never um, working on the, the, the condition of production and the reception of the text in Ethiopia. And uh, for example, the Zenas Candes, for what we know, because it has not been so much research until now uh, in, in the academic, but there is very few manuscripts known, mostly they came from Gondar and they were uh, close from uh, the, the Gondarian court uh, in the 17th and 18th century. And there is very few manuscripts. And as far as we know, there is, uh, it's difficult because we don't have a full view of uh, the corpus of uh, Ethiopian literature, but there is no quotation of uh, Zenascandes in other texts. So maybe it was just known by a few people and uh, it, it was not something that was really shared. So it, it's the same for the Atata, as I've said before, but all of those texts must also be, um, yeah, we have to look for. Um, testimonies or witnesses of the knowledge of those texts in other texts. Um, so here we are. Uh, the first one, Classical Ethiopian Philosophy, was published in 1985. And the other one, it's actually one big article of 70 pages of Sumner in 2000. And um, we have I, I really wanted to show those two images because we really have on the first one, uh, Zara Jacob sitting nicely dressed like a, like a, a rich man with beautiful uh, uh, dresses in his cave with a huge manuscript ready to uh, write and discussing with uh, his disciple, Walda Haywood. So it's a painting that really uh, synthesizes. Uh, all the symbols that are important to, to have uh, an image of who was uh, Zara Yaakov. And it's important, you will see why at the end, we keep this image in, in mind. And the other one, maybe made by the same painter, I was, I was wondering if uh, there is like an, uh, a visual echo between uh, the first and the second uh, cover, uh, is uh, presenting Zara Yaakov in a much more uh, at the end of his life when he's uh, an important person and he has his own house and uh, having some object and the funny thing is that he's writing in a manuscript with a feather uh, as, as a well, Ethiopian scribe are not using feathers are using a, a bamboo stick so there is also a creation to capture the, the importance or to capture all the symbols that are in this, uh, uh, in this text. Um, 
I will go on with the historiography of this text, but a first little excursus on uh, this, why, why is it so uh, intriguing and why this text has yeah, functioned? It's, we, we have seen in this picture, the, the figure of the lonely thinker is very important in different tradition, Greek tradition, the Christian tradition, but also in a way in the uh, enlightenment uh, philosophy. The, the thinker that will, okay, fly, like example, uh, Descartes in his home and, and he's alone and he has, uh, yeah, the meditation is coming and he will make the revolution of uh, uh, the Lumière. Bon. It's okay. It's, uh, we know that it's not like this. That uh, new ideas are uh, arriving. It's a discussion, debate, and, uh, um, and strong ideas will be ex uh, expressed by someone. But the strong idea is already here and infusing in, in, in a society. Um, so there is this first image in the Atartas record that is very. Uh, uh, Efficient. The second one is the cultural shock, because there is this shock uh, which is portrayed at the, uh, which is at the moment of the, the Jesuit meeting, which was actually a, a real shock for the Ethiopian society, and this is this cultural shock that provoke uh, the, the, the reflective uh, thinking and the, the encounter with other that really lead to go over the limitation of one culture. So I'm at the moment I'm reading a new history of humanity by David Graeber and David Wengro. So if you have the occasion to read this very interesting book, uh, really you should do so because they are really uh, questioning this um, birth or this new idea of thinking about inequality in the French society of the 17th century and how Rousseau has uh, uh, really written his text about the inequality uh, amongst uh, humans. And they are showing, and it's, it's quite convincing, they are showing that uh, the, the encounter with the Northern uh, Native Americans was uh, very disturbing for the Europeans because uh, most of the society, well, there, is, there were a lot of diversity of uh, North uh, American societies, but most of them were really uh, egalitarian, and most of uh, North American uh, uh, natives uh, have high uh, faculties for debates and for expressing their ideas. They were not writing them down, of course, but uh, they were very at ease with uh, debating and resolving conflict and negotiation through uh, debates and through listening to very strongly built arguments. And um, they challenged the, the, uh, the Western uh, missionaries that were coming in uh, North America, saying, but your societies are really uh, uh, very hierarchical and you have, you have no freedom, you have no equality. And they convincingly show that uh, this long discussion, because it was for more than one century, discussion with uh, native uh, North American has uh, strongly uh, challenged the authoritarianism of uh, European society and led to this uh, enlightenment. I think it's interesting to compare with uh, well, 
what we are talking about, okay? Maybe I will come to this later. So I was saying that it's also an institutional uh, history and uh, it has to be done. I, I have not spent enough time on this to really understand what was going, uh, yeah, how, why it was so important and what was really the role of Claude Sumner in Ethiopia. But uh, the same year when he was uh, publishing his English translation of the Atata, Sumner has uh, organized the International Seminar of African Philosophy in Addis Ababa with Shekanta Diop or, or Untunji, for example, and Ali Mayumogas was here also. And when you read the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the different articles, uh, during this conference, in fact, they were all coming from different fields and they were, it's difficult to understand how they could hear each other because Sheikh Antadiop mainly, but not only was really like on his uh, Pan-Africanism Pan trend and uh, trying to uh, show how uh, African thought was coming from Egypt and was predating uh, the Greek uh, philosophy. Most of them actually were very, very much uh, attentive to socialism and to the dialectic and to the Hegelian dialectic. So between the Pan-Africanist uh, trend and the socialist and dialectic one, it was, yeah, they, they were not talking about the same thing. A lot of them were also very attentive to the question of the language. Uh, how, in, in which language uh, should philosophical uh, ideas be uh, expressed and uh, how much is it important to learn other language or uh, to express things in your own language. And uh, Untunji, of course, was here. I will come back uh, to Untunji. Just, I go back a bit uh, uh, in time. So Tempers is more or less the one who introduced African philosophy with his Bantu philosophy. Uh, he has been very much uh, criticized, of course, and uh, first of all by Marcian Toa um, uh, at the beginning of the 70s, who say that it was dangerous to define African philosophy uh, too quickly and that maybe they need really time to think about what should be an African philosophy for African by African. And uh, well, I think there will, there will be some uh, comment, uh, there will be some presentation tomorrow, but okay, he, 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 he already stepped back uh, after Tempers, and then Paula Antungi, who was uh, very active in saying that philosophy is literature, philosophy has to do with the written document, and philosophy exists only if the one who is thinking say that he is a philosopher. And, he was standing against, of course, ethno-philosophy and saying that the philosophy was emerging from uh, society at a whole. And then Valentin Mundimbe in the invention of Africa, also a very important landmark for this discussion about what should be and what could be philosophy in Africa. is uh, the only one, actually, let's go back to our topic, who mentioned the Atata because the other one just ignored it. And he said that, Atata are a landmark because it's a written text, but is not uh, paying any attention actually to the content. And mostly we should say that the philosopher, the African philosopher from this generation and after did, did not uh, show many interest to the Atata variety. 
The critics, strong critics, came from within the uh, philosophy department of Addis Ababa University. First, it was Bonjifro Ambaye, who published only two articles. Uh, one was very elogious toward uh, Claude Sumner, and the other one in Moscow in uh, 1986 uh, was very critical, saying that there is not something spontaneous like uh, what, uh, um, like the corpus of Sumner is showing, and uh, denying uh, any authenticity to the Atata and saying that it's not a problem to deny the authenticity of the Atatazar Yaakov because uh, it does not belong to the Ethiopian culture, so it does not harm. Mesai Kebede has uh, dedicated a whole PhD, which I was not uh, able to uh, access, um, where it really go deeply in the analysis of the Atatazar Yaakov, saying that uh, there is no reflection in the Atatazar Yaakov on the condition of emergent, or emer emergence of the philosophy, and uh, going to the conclusion that Zara Yaakov is not a philosopher, which was quite, uh, he was quite firm with this. And then Mesai Kebede uh, had a, a career, but he did not mentioned that Atazar Jacob uh, after this, he dedicated uh, his time to other things and he's now teaching in the US. And Samuel Wolde Johannes, uh, a few years later, was also uh, deeply uh, against um, the teaching of Sumner and uh, the, uh, the world or the corpus that uh, Sumner has uh, defined to be the uh, Ethiopian philosophy, saying that, for instance, the uh, geographies, the Gadlat, were uh, a much better corpus to study the philosophy of man. And he is also now teaching in the US. So, and Wondifro Ambaye, I, I could not trace, uh, I don't know if he has followed in the uh, Addis Ababa University or published anything, I could not find anything. Uh, in 1998, I said to Mbach who was an anthropology uh, philosophical student at this time, wanted to research on uh, the Atatazar Yaakov and met a lot of people at this time uh, and some there amongst them. Um, so uh, our MA thesis is not published, which is a pity because it's really very interesting. <laughs> Uh, so she developed a critique of uh, Claude Sumner, uh, who said that uh, calling upon reason to develop a rationalist uh, thinking is nothing else than essentialism. And she also critiqued the text, made a critique of the philosophical value of the text. And she stopped because she, was, she had the feeling that the situation was still blocked in Addis Ababa University at this time. And the position of Sumner was so strong that it was very difficult for other people to express themselves, even if there were a lot of um, um, a lot of desire to go beyond what Sumner has created, but uh, there was no place for freedom at this time, and she totally changed from philosophy to anthropology and to Ethiopia and to Mali. My second excursus was about how. Uh, the 19th century was a very good moment to create, to create a fake, but maybe it's a bit over the topic and I have only five minutes. Okay, so on the topic of forgery, we can forget it. 
But there would be a very interesting parallelism between the Atata Zarayakon and the Charter of Kurukan Fuga, also known as the Charter of uh, Mande in Mali, um, in the, uh, this expectation that uh, there, would, there will be some ancient African text that will testify of uh, something that could be recognized today, not only by the, West, by the Western world, but also by the global world and the need of uh, text to settle things. Then in the 20th century, there were two important uh, books uh, on the Atatas on Arakab, the one by Theodros Kiros that most of you know, and the one of Dawit Warku. Both came with new English translation, but always uh, based on uh, the Littmann uh, edition. And there were also some historical studies, uh, mainly uh, students in Addis Ababa University on the historical aspect of the text, like genders, uh, gender aspect, for instance but most of them remain unpublished. And now we come to our, our moment, what we are living and this decolonizing things that uh, is going on since the post-colonial study and the subaltern study and the decolonizing term, very interesting, but uh, that create a very strong effect on the reception of um, the Atata. Uh, so I will not come back to the colonial past of Conti Rossini, even if I feel a bit sorry for this poor Conti Rossini, because okay, he was a bad racist and fascist Italian, but what could we do without all the text that he has published? I mean, he, he is, we, we have a tremendous debt uh, to Conti Rossini. Uh, yeah, we have to admit it, whatever. And so, I say this because it's, it's a bit, uh, I mean, it's, it's too easy to say, oh, he was a very bad guy. So we cannot accept, we cannot accept uh, his conclusion on just to do Well, yeah, but uh, well, I'm not sure. Um, and so, but now the, the authorship of Giusto Dubino is almost a topic that, uh, that cannot really, in fact, we are a bit going around the, the the thing because uh, the Atata have, have a status of almost a rival text. Uh, it's, it's very important to have, uh, to have this text and to acknowledge the possibility of existence of this text in the 17th century. So for me, this fascination for a possibility of an, an enlightenment in Africa before Europe is it, it takes us back to Afrocentrism. And I don't know if anybody here uh, wants to uh, defend the thesis of Shekhanta Diop. It's, uh, I think it's a bit uh, over. So maybe we should think about why we are so um, anxious about rec recognizing the authenticity of the Atasta Zarayakon. And so uh, now if you go in the internet and you just Google uh, Ethiopian philosophy, you will find a lot of things. And, of different level, so I don't have time to go in, in the details, but if you look at this image of this old Ethiopian uh, monk holding a big manuscript and having his hand very near his mouth, like, like thinking, it's, it's almost the same image as the cover of Claude Samuel. And it's a very short uh, blog, uh, something about someone who has not read the Atata, 
and was speaking about something that has nothing to do with the atata, just using it as read, read the text and you will discover it, uh, using it as, okay, we can think by ourselves. Last excursus. Sorry, I would be a, a bit over the time, but I think it's important. There is a very interesting book uh, uh, by uh, Carlo Ginzburg, uh, The Cheese and the Worms, introducing the, the thinking of a, a poor man, a miller in the north of Italy in the 16th century, who has his own philosophical system, and it's known because he, he has been in trial and he has been sentenced to death, actually, for thinking having his own uh, way of thinking the creation and his relationship with uh, his creator. But nobody is thinking that uh, the, the, the system of uh, this uh, Menocchio, uh, the name of the Italian miller, has created uh, a philosophical uh, system because he was uh, uh, totally isolated. And it, I come back to the question of the reception. If if, if you believe that the Atatazaria Cup was the 17th century, then you have to ask yourself, what was the reception of this text and what was the effect of this text on the, the, on the global thinking of uh, Ethiopia? And that's it.